0: 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer. What is up? My name is Jeremy Rushing. Thank you so much, whether this is your first time listening or you've listened to now all six episodes. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to 10,000 Pitches. Uh, If you want to really help the podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. helps our placement and helps us show up higher not only in your feed, but the feed of, of uh, people that they think might be interested in this podcast. So subscribing helps, leaving a rating and review helps. If that is available on your preferred platform, I'd really appreciate it if you did that. Even if it's, you know, constructive criticism, it doesn't necessarily just have to be a five-star review. If you have something, you know, constructive to say about the podcast, something, some way you can think it can improve, uh, you know, definitely let me know. I'm, I'm open to that kind of feedback as well. Uh, If you want to also support the podcast on the socials, you can do that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at 10K Pitches. That is 10K Pitches. Uh, Two interviews, three total guests this week. So another busy, busy show on tap. First, we're going to talk to Spam FC Scholarship Foundation President Van Hong and Treasurer Corey Halloran, about not only the scholarship foundation that Spam FC has set up over there in St. Louis Park, but also about the fact that MASL is coming back July 7th. Yes, their uh, team registration period ends today, or ended yesterday, I believe, the 2nd. And so we'll find out soon how many teams there will be in place, what the actual season is going to look like in terms of number of games, things like that. But uh, both Van and Corey confirmed to me We will have MASL Soccer back, and the target start date is July 7th. So we'll talk to them about that and, of course, the scholarship foundation that they've set up. And then we're also going to talk to, speaking about leagues that are returning, the WPASL, the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League. That kicked off last weekend, and we'll be uh, having games every weekend through about mid-August. And we're going to talk to their president, Caden Bergman, About kicking back off and everything to do with the WPASL. Hopefully, if you're not familiar with them, we'll introduce you to them and and get you interested. Before we get into those interviews, though, I don't want to focus too much on Minnesota United uh, because we did have a lengthy discussion, me and Jacob Schneider did about kind of their prospects in the MLS's back tournament. But there have been a couple developments with the loons that have happened this week that I feel like should and need to be addressed. The first is what's happening with their Youth Development Academy. Uh, A lot of job cuts, a lot of um, restructuring going on within Minnesota United, as is going on in in every other business and every other industry from COVID-19. But one of the hardest hit departments for Minnesota United was their Youth Development Academy. And if you haven't already heard, uh, all five remaining full-time academy staff were impacted with four people, including the academy director, Tim Carter, being laid off. Their positions were cut. And then a fifth uh, member was actually be, was actually placed on furlough. So basically, the youth academy as it stands now has been scrapped for Minnesota United. That's four different academy squads that are no longer um, in effect, at least as of right now. Chief Soccer Officer Manny Lagos has hinted at this being a restructuring, not a complete slashing of the program itself, but we have no details on what that new process will look like for Minnesota United. So we have to go with what we have now. And what we have now is a non-existent youth development academy program for Minnesota United. They're the only team to do this right now in MLS. I mean, if you talk about, you're talking about a team in Minnesota United that is in their fourth MLS season, and this is about the time when the people that you've had in your development academy really start to get to a point where they can move up potentially to the main roster or go to a USL affiliate or something like that and really start to cut their teeth in full-on competitive high league soccer and get to a point where you can bring them on to your senior squad, but we don't have that anymore from Minnesota United, at least as it stands right now. So we will see where we where we go from here, as far as what's happening with, uh, with this restructuring, quote unquote, of Minnesota United's youth development staff. It's not the best look, but one day later, Jeff Carlisle from ESPN.com reports that the Loons are back in talks with Emmanuel Reynoso from Argentinian club Boca Juniors. Now, in and of itself, normally would be good news to see Minnesota United getting back after one of their highly targeted prospects, one of their highly targeted guys that they want to bring on over the winter. But when it's one day removed from you slashing an entire department of your organization, it's not the best look to see a potential $4.7 million price tag being set on that guy you're trying to bring in. And that's the rumor is that United offered, uh, has offered now Boca Juniors $4.7 million transfer fee to bring Babello Reynoso to Minnesota. Now transitioning into just talking about this and not as it relates to uh, the cutting of the Youth Development Academy. This is not as good of an offer as Minnesota made Boca over the winter when they were trying to bring on Babello Renoso. Now circumstances have obviously changed since that happened, but what's the likelihood that that they that they come to an agreement when the offer is not as good as one that was turned down just you know six months ago? Personally, I'm not too optimistic about it. But uh, from a report from Argentinian outlet TYC Sports, they say, "quote Negotiations are in advanced stages, and the Argentine club will not impede the transfer." And then Jeff Carlisle from ESPN.com, like I said, has kind of picked up that story and he's been providing updates as well. We have been here before in these quote-unquote advanced stages with quote-unquote few details that need to be ironed out and nothing happened. So I will believe it when I see it in terms of Emmanuel Reynoso in a Minnesota United uniform. I need to see that happen before I really uh, start to buy that this is actually a legitimate possibility for the Lynx. And then one last thing as it relates to the MLS's back tournament. Ike Parra has stayed home. He sent out a tweet earlier today confirming that he is not with the team in Orlando and he will not be participating in the MLS's back tournament. And who can, who can blame him? right? He says, quote, in his tweet before it's reported elsewhere, I want to let the fans know that I'm currently not in Orlando with my teammates. I'm continuing my physical rehabilitation on a pre-existing condition that was agreed upon between the league and MNUFC. I'm sad I'm not there with my guys, but will be the biggest fan from home in Minnesota. This is a big loss. If the MLS is back tournament goes on as it is scheduled to, which I have my doubts about at this point, this is a huge loss for Minnesota United. Even though the back line is the Loon's strength, it's also where, where they're the most thin right now, especially with the absence of Brett Coleman, who still needs to serve three more games of his 10-game suspension. He will be out the entire group stage. He will only return if the Loon's advance past the group stage into the knockout rounds. So who steps in for Minnesota United on that back line? There are a couple of options. The first one that pops out to me is Raheem Edwards. Uh, Jacob Schneider and I talked last week at length about the value that Edwards could bring off the bench. Well, now he may need to bring that value in the starting 11, whether you plug him in at left back and move Gasper to the center or whether you plug him in in that fullback spot and let Gasper still take that wingback spot on the left. However you decide to place Edwards in there, that would be my guy to kind of step in if he does stay with that four-back set. Another thing he could do is bring Hassani Dotson on to maybe play uh, that right center back position to keep Mettinere in the wing because uh, that is really where uh, Mettinere thrives is on the wing. I don't know if putting Mettinere in the, in the center would really be uh, an ideal scenario for Minnesota United. So we could see Dotson fill in uh, Aikopara's spot. Or we could see kind of a restructuring of that back line where uh, Raheem Edwards comes in on the left side. So either way, it'll be interesting to see. I do not think Heath will mess with the formation and go with a three-back formation. I think he'll he'll will only do that in a situation where, where Minnesota United needs to score a goal. And I think he'll stick with the, the 4-2-3-1 that he loves to u- utilize. That's kind of his bread and butter. I don't know if we'll have any details from Heath. You may want to keep those details close to the best before the Loons' first scheduled game on July 12th. Kind of transitioning into whether or not this now tournament is going to happen. If you haven't heard, FC Dallas has 10 confirmed COVID-19 cases. 10 on one team. Nine players, one coach, and this has all happened since they got in the Orlando bubble. When they left Dallas, everything was good. Nobody had really uh, tested positive, and then they get into the bubble, and now these these cases uh, have have come to light. Not good news for the MLS's back tournament. It could be an Orlando Pride situation where the team removes themselves, but with everybody in that bubble, kind of in close proximity together, it makes sense to think that this thing has spread to other teams. Columbus Crew confirmed one case earlier today. And I think as the days go on, you will only start to see these cases as they have in Florida. Just in general, you will start to see those cases within the MLS's back bubble start to increase. And probably, even though it's sad to say, unfortunately, it probably will increase exponentially. And I could see us getting to a point where this tournament gets scrapped, this tournament gets canceled. Because we are still five days away from the start of this thing. And we've seen with the number of, of cases that have, have increased in Florida over such a short amount of time, just in general, this thing can spread, obviously. And uh, when people are in close proximity together and one person has it, it can spread to three, four, five, six people just like that. And when you have one team who has 10 cases, it's it's not ideal. They may just get, get Dallas out of there as quickly as possible in hopes that this thing doesn't spread. You know, if they want to save this tournament, maybe that's what they do at this point. Because you're talking about a 14-day quarantine for FC Dallas from when they tested positive, which I believe was June 30th, was when the tests were actually done. So you're talking about a 14-day quarantine. That's July 14th. If you're looking at the MLS's back schedule, teams are into their second group stage match by that point. And I don't think FC Dallas can put a team out there with 10 guys not available, or excuse me, nine players not available. So if I'm MLS, I am, I am pulling Dallas out of there as quickly as I can, if I can, uh, to try to limit the spread of COVID because it's, it can only, it, it, it's not, the longer they're in the bubble, the worse it's going to be, in my opinion. Um, so MLS, they say MLS is back, I don't think it's likely that MLS will be back in this scenario. I, I really don't. I hope I'm wrong. I hope things start to die down and and this is, you know, this uh, FC Dallas situation is kind of a one-off, but uh, I'm, I'm not confident in that, in that particular scenario. So again, just like a lot of this, we'll just have to sit back and wait and see what happens. All right, let's move on with the podcast later on. Uh, We'll talk to WPASL President Caden Bergman. Great interview with him. That will be coming up in a little bit. But first, let's get to my talk with Spam FC Scholarship Foundation President Van Hong and Treasurer Corey Halloran. All right. I now have the pleasure of being joined by two guys who are part of a foundation that's doing a lot of good to help people in the community reach higher education. It's Van Hong and Corey Halloran. They are respectively the Spam FC Scholarship Foundation president and treasurer. Guys, thank you guys so much for joining the show. Of course.
1: Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, really appreciate you know, supporting what we do and, and trying to get the word out and, and the stuff that we're trying to do to support the community.
0: Yeah, you know, this is definitely one of those extra things that uh, that lower league soccer clubs provide that I really like to highlight when it comes to just you know giving back to the community and helping people in the community. So before we get into the scholarship foundation as a whole, I kind of want to let you guys both talk about your backgrounds in
2: soccer and how you kind of guys got involved with with Spam FC. Yeah, definitely. I'll talk a little bit about the club and how it came to be. I think this summer we just uh, so we're having a shortened season with the summer season coming up. We're going to do a 10 game season with the MASL It'll be our ninth season, um, playing within the league. We started at division four, then worked our way up to the division one. Uh, we also have a second team that's in division three as well. But, um, so we started back in 2011. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of our friends went to St. Louis park high school and we, we just wanted to start a men's league team. So we started uh, spam FC about nine years ago um won division four our first year and then worked our way up all the way to division one and we're able to win the first division last year for the first time which was super gratifying after playing for nine years together
1: yeah i think that the history goes beyond uh, the nine years so uh spay really goes back all the way to 1998 it started as a you know a childhood club in sanos park we all went our separate ways to go to college. Uh, a bunch of us played Division One, uh, Division Three, Division Two, Division One. And after college was done, uh, we wanted to come back to continue our playing days and just find a way to really hang out with our friends. Really, after our first professional jobs. Um, and in terms of the scholarship itself, we all come from different walks of life, different religion, different ethnic background, uh, different races. Just have, having that as a the core of who we are, uh, we wanted to do something good for the community. So after a pickup session one day, we were literally hanging out at the local pub, uh, just enjoying each other's company. And we thought, of, you know, let's do something good, do something nice for the community. So we started a street soccer tournament in 2014. Uh, we raised a whopping $1,200. Cool. And we literally were going around to our friends and family begging for more money like hey we're trying to give a couple scholarships to the kids so that first year we raised about two thousand dollars and we donated two scholarships worth twelve hundred dollars to two students and then the next year we donated three scholarships a little more money the next year five the next year ten and then uh the last couple years we've donated about $10,000 and $20,000 last year. So in total, about 50k since 2014. That's kind of how we got to today.
0: And what did you guys uh, experience in terms of how this was received both early on and how that's kind of evolved to now as it's become more of a, I guess, a legitimate feature of your club or a well-known feature of your club, I should say.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Corey, you want to start first?
2: Yeah, I guess we've just kind of grown every year, you know, we started with two scholarships and we're up to 10 to 12 every year so we've uh, it's just kind of exploded over the last few years mm-hmm. events uh, we started with the scholarship tournament every year and we've added an uh, annual dinner event which is in january every year and then brewery events at ladonia and steel toe and yeah different events that just bring the community together
1: yeah i mean at first um, in terms of the community's reception You know, we were young kids, 22, 23 years old, uh, you know, all competitors. We wanted to do something nice for the community. Our goal was to raise some money and give it to a few kids. Um, We didn't really care, you know, at first about how people would perceive this or like it or or whatever. Like, we just want to do something nice for the community. Mm -hmm. So we set out to do that. And once, you know, we got a little more experience in our professional life, you know, like, no, let's make this into a nonprofit let's see how we can grow this even more. So over time, you know, we're able to make it official, raise more money and, you know, eventually broaden our scope of impact.
0: And can you go a little more in depth on what like the eligibility requirements are for, for this particular scholar for, or for these particular scholarships? Yeah, I think so. We want to be
1: inclusive of everybody. So the, the minimum GPA that we want is, you know, 2.5. So good enough to get into college. Uh, it's open to, male and female students. You know, it's beyond that as well. And basically, they just have to write an essay on how soccer has impacted their life in a positive way. So we have six scholarships. Uh, one of them is the Late Hong. The other one is the Damien McManus, Evan McManus, Kai McManus. Uh, these are all specialized scholarships that's uh, honoring our loved one who passed. Um, and also we have a STEM scholarship, a STEM legacy scholarship. Um, These are not, you know, soccer-based scholarships, they're just, you know, we're promoting to mostly soccer people because, you know, soccer has impacted our lives. So we want to kind of give back in that perspective.
2: Yeah, and uh, just uh, on on top of that, a lot of people think, you know, it's a a soccer scholarship. Um, Really, it's not. um, This is open to people that have played in high school that had a great impact on on their life, but they didn't continue playing at the college level. But they they can definitely write a story on how it's impacted their life in a positive manner. So
1: yeah, just just to touch uh, again on the uh, basic criteria, <laughs> you have to have a two point five GPA, write a uh, six hundred word to twelve hundred word essay based on one of the prompts, have one letter of recommendation, have a proof of your college enrollment and a high school or college transcript. Um, basically, we just want to be in- inclusive to everybody, and those are the you know, minimal check boxes that uh, we want to see before we distribute the money, so.
2: Definitely. Yeah, Yeah. and one last thing, just for anyone that is playing in college, I would just recommend checking with their athletic department before applying. Mm -hmm.
0: Who wants to take the most credit in terms of whose idea it was and and, and how this came to be?
1: It's always a team credit. Um, No one person just sat down and and did this thing. Like, you know, if anyone who, who are familiar with our group we are way too like close knit. We're like brothers, we fight like brothers, we argue like brothers, but at the end of the day we come together, we love each other and we do this because, you know, when we were kids growing up, there were so many adults within our lives that were, you know, strong backbones where we can lean on to help us, you know, to get to where we are. And, mm-hmm. you know, just, I don't think any one person can take the credit, you know, it's a whole group effort.
0: So somebody, you know, maybe they're going to their senior year of high school, junior year of high school, they want to apply for this. What is the process they go through?
2: Yeah, go to spamfc.com. Um, go to the community page and under scholarships, it's a application process. You submit your, your essay, letter of recommendation, um, photo, and a couple other requirements. Write a one to two page essay and, and that's it. So we opened the scholarship on... July first, and the deadline
1: is September thirtieth. Okay. And really, the scholarship is about reflecting on your soccer experience. Like you know, it, you don't have to be the superstar in your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be. One of the best essays I've read, you know, throughout this application process was someone who actually never played on an official team. They always played pickup soccer, and how soccer like impacted their life in a positive way because it brought their family together to just watch a beautiful game. So it's really just, you know, sit back, think of how it impacts your life in, in, in these certain different ways. So.
0: And just for a couple of personal anecdotes, how has soccer impacted your life? What's your guys' personal backgrounds when it comes to soccer and, and how you guys kind of uh, got to your personal points where you're at with spam FC?
1: That's a great question. Corey, you want to go first?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we both, I, I grew up in St. Louis park, did as well. Um, Wasn't born in St. Louis Park, but yeah, we grew up playing St. Louis Park club team and then high school as well. And then I went on to play uh, club soccer at the University of Minnesota. Um, And then I think towards the end of my college, we started the Spam FC team where we've been playing for nine years now. So um, been playing year round pretty much for you know as long as I can remember.
1: Yeah, my story is a little bit different. So I was born in Siem Reap, Cambodia. I moved to United States in 19. 98 um didn't speak english then uh but soccer was definitely my platform my space to, to learn and grow uh you know my parents had a bunch of different jobs of the people that took care of my of me at a very young age in addition to them was the soccer community you know the parents that drove me to different games the practices uh were places that i couldn't i couldn't go on my bike so st louis park was definitely that foundation once i you know, expand beyond St. Louis Park. I started playing for Bangu and traveling further. Uh, Other parents, you know, took me on their their wings, allowed me to stay in different hotels with them. And then after high school, you know, I went to Milwaukee for a year, played there, and then eventually transferring to Augsburg College then, but now Augsburg University. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my journey has been kind of like very internationally uh, driven. So all the way from Cambodia, St. Louis Park, to Wisconsin, uh, back to Minneapolis, and back to St. Louis Park. So we're coming to full circle.
0: Absolutely. So kind of moving uh, to the on-field aspect of what you guys are doing this year. You know, many clubs have kind of called it quits in seeking out any sort of on-field competition during the summer. Leagues like WPASL are back up and running. MASL, as you guys already talked about, has announced a shorter 10-game season. Can you explain a little bit, uh, as far as you know, what that timeline is going to look like, and how comfortable are you guys with the process that they have in place?
2: Yeah, it'll be a little interesting. Obviously, it's coming together really fast. Um, the state's provided guidance as far as allowing groups of of teams to play for men's adult leagues, so they've they've decided to go forward. Um, some de- some have decided not to; they're uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And team, you know, a lot of guys were interested, so we're putting the team together. Um, the timeline we have games starting as, as soon as the seventh could be our first potential game. The schedule is not out quite yet, Um, but it'll start the seventh and it'll be a five week season and you'll play two games a week. So it'll go pretty fast.
0: How many teams, uh, do you guys
2: know that are, uh, are competing? So the, the registration deadline is still coming up here. So I've heard a few teams are not playing, but the normal, it's normally a, a four division league. Uh, with 10 teams in each league so it'll be a little interesting they might need to combine division one and two II and three and four mm-hmm. if uh, enough teams aren't interested so it'll be unlike any other season it's kind of just for fun almost get out yeah. there there's no relegation promotion, promotion this season mm-hmm. uh, so it's, yeah it's just 10 game season uh, no promotion or relegation gotcha <clears throat>
0: Well, just kind of one last question here to wrap everything up. You know, the Scholarship Foundation is awesome. I love that you guys are doing it. You know, there might be some people who are on the fence in terms of applying. So if each of you could kind of give maybe a quick 30-second, few-sentence, uh, you know, pitch for why these kids should apply for the scholarship.
2: Sure, yeah. I'd, I'd encourage everybody to apply because um, it's, it's free money, really. You know, you spend less than five hours working on a scholarship and you're getting – a thousand dollars to pay for your higher education and um, you're not going to get that any job you're working at this summer so mm-hmm. it's uh, definitely worth your time putting in to apply for this scholarship to help you toward your college degree
1: so i think like with what's going on in the world today too i think soccer is such an escape for so many people across the world you know whether you are living in a circumstance where like you don't have shoes to walk in or you're in the nicest paracletes um, playing anywhere around the world. It's such a a world sport. And with the things that are going on in the world, I think it's a great opportunity to kind of sit back and reflect a little bit on how soccer has impacted your life. And on top of that, like uh, Corey said, it's an opportunity to get some good money to support you in your academic journey. We Hopefully that you, you know, find some inspiration and, and think on the experience that you had. and share with us because you know we did this not for ourselves but really to pay it forward and to provide support for you guys the next generation
0: i said that was the last question but i do have one more question (laughs) uh so if you're listening on the podcast you can't see but van has a really sweet orange spam fc nike sweater uh how do i how do i get my hands on one of those that's 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 my last question here that's the most important thing i've been i've been looking at this whole time that sweatshirt looks sweet
1: I think Corey will answer that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we we do not have uh, merchandise for sale currently. You know, it's something we've definitely been working on, but sporadically we'll do different postings on. You can do like custom ink orders, but mm-hmm. we have established a shop, unfortunately, that people can go on and buy anytime.
0: All right, fair enough. Well, hey, I might. Uh, I'm just gonna share a picture of that Nike sweater and see what it, see what happens. See if we can get some some people buying that because so that's definitely something Sounds I good. want uh van hong Corey Holloran, thank you guys so much for taking the time this scholarship foundation again is such an amazing thing and if you are a prospective college student looking to uh save a little money towards your education definitely go to spamfc.com click the scholarships tab and, and apply it's it's such a cool thing and uh thank you guys so much for putting it together and for coming on the podcast to talk about it
1: For sure, Jeremy. We appreciate your time, man. This is uh, awesome. Look forward to, you know, hopefully connecting in the future soon as well.
0: Oh, and Corey, best of luck in the season, man. Yes, thanks for having us, Jeremy. All right, I now have the pleasure to be joined by the president of the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League, better known as the WPASL, Mr. Caden Bregman. Caden, thank you so much for taking the time before the holiday weekend, man. Sure, no problem, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, So I like to have every guest who comes on the podcast, start by talking about their personal soccer background and kind of how they got to where they are today. So, Caden, what's your story?
3: Sure. So, uh, I guess I grew up in uh, Hayward, Wisconsin, small town of about uh, 2,000 people in northwestern Wisconsin. Yeah, I grew up playing soccer uh, since young age. I was actually more of a hockey guy, mm. uh, but as I got older, I got some injuries, wasn't able to play hockey anymore, and then uh, my brother was really into soccer. Our dad got us into it after he traveled to Barcelona uh, before we were born. So I guess that's kind of how soccer got in the family. Uh, And then as we got older, um, I didn't play my first two years of high school. Uh, Played two years of varsity and then uh, ended up going to Viterbo University at NAIA school in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, And I also played for uh, La Crosse Aries out of the NPSL for Greg Saliaris. So that was a good experience for me. Really big uh, jump. From, uh, you know, D3 Wisconsin high school soccer to, you know, yeah, MPSL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, and I was actually a striker uh, in high school, and I ended up getting thrown at right back. Oh, wow. So that was a big learning curve for me. Yeah, I bet. Um, But, no, it was, it was a really cool experience. And then I played uh, two years at Viterbo, um, which was really nice. I was going for nursing. Uh, and then I ended up leaving the school went and played at UWS I just played on their club team uh saving my eligibility for these next two years and I guess back tracking a little bit I also started a club in Hayward back in 2018 and we just played up in the Duluth Amateur Soccer League which was actually a really good league for us to start off in yeah definitely yeah and then uh from there I'm just you know running the league now uh trying to figure out where to go to school next year and know getting through this pandemic so it's busy
0: (laughs) yeah busy for uh for a pandemic time that's for sure speaking of busy I mean it's been quite a week week for you guys with the WPASL uh you know kicking off uh the shortened season just this last weekend and we'll get to that in a bit but for those who don't know you know what is the WPASL who's involved how did it get started kind of kind of run us through the history of the league a little bit
3: yeah sure so uh with our Hayward team, we were looking for somewhere uh, more regional play. Uh, we love the Lewis, uh, all the teams up there. There's some really great people, good competition. Uh, but we wanted some home games. Uh, so we actually got in contact with Rice Lake, uh, which is about an hour south of us. Um, and they were looking to set up a small league. Uh, they already had a recreational league, but they wanted something a little more competitive. Um, so I teamed up with a guy named Axel Berger. And we actually started talking about, you know, where we wanted to uh, – bring this um and how big we wanted to make it he wanted to do six teams I wanted to do uh you know 10 so we had a little bit of a disagreement there but he wanted the name WPASL he liked the primary cup idea so that's actually where Mm -hmm. Wisconsin primary amateur soccer league comes from Uh, a name that you know we might look into revising uh, a little bit later on but um, right now it works for us uh so we started contacting local uh teams rec teams uh and then we found out there's actually some more talent in the area than we had expected and we started throwing together the league and then he got a little busy with things and i ended up doing pretty much all the grunt work making logos for all the teams for that original season Mm -hmm. Uh, i have no graphic design experience at all so that was um interesting using a free platform called logo maker online so there um, you go yeah, and then I have no experience putting leagues together either, so uh, I started looking into <laughs> other leagues. You know, trying to replicate. I looked a lot of the um, MASL down in the cities, mm-hmm. uh, DISL, and then having that MPSL experience actually helped a little bit because yeah, I understood how these uh, systems worked a little better. Um, so I kind of you know started contacting guys saying, "Hey, uh, if you want to pay, it was only 150 bucks for the whole season last year. The teams got their own refs." Um, And so we kind of threw together a league. Uh, Everything was kind of just uh, fast-paced, you know, uh, getting everything set up. But, yeah, we ended up with six teams. It went really well. Uh, Eau Claire pretty much dominated the whole season, um, but ended up losing to Barron in the championship game, uh, which was pretty crazy. Eau Claire seems to not be able to get past Barron, but we'll see this year. So, yeah, uh, it's really cool. All the guys know each other. Um, And then this year we wanted to make the league a little more professional. Uh, so we updated the logo, um, which I did. It's been a lot of graphic design stuff, but mm-hmm. it's getting a little better. <laughs> Still not perfect.
0: So uh, where where would you rate yourself now on a graphic design scale, one to ten? <laughs> um,
3: I don't know. Probably maybe a six or a seven. You know? okay. I, I couldn't Very sell cool. that stuff, but I I can do it a little better now. <laughs> and then I um helped Baron uh revise their logo. Um, you know. All the logos in the league, the only one I had, didn't do is Eau Claire, Ashland, and Duluth. Um, but we ended up having Ashland and Duluth drop out this year mm-hmm. um, due to the pandemic. But uh, yeah, so we started updating logos. Uh, we wanted all the teams to have you know, matching jerseys, matching shorts, matching socks. Um, we actually are assigning referees this year. So we wanted to make it a little more professional, getting more stuff on social media. Um, and the quality of play has also gone up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, All the teams pretty much filled out the majority of their rosters, Uh, a lot of college guys, a lot of guys who played uh, UPSL, NPSL, which is really cool for these small towns up here. And we just wanted to make it a little more legitimate, I guess. Mm -hmm. We actually had interest from 14 different cities this year. Uh, We had 12 who were very sure they're going to play. Um, And then as COVID started hitting, teams started dropping course but for next year we're really excited to see what happens but we gotta get through this year first so um this year we actually added we dropped our bottom two teams rice lake and inter who was out of spooner wisconsin they both uh struggled to get results last year we added lobos fc which is wausau's top amateur team and wausau's a pretty big city in wisconsin so we're really excited to have them um and then we added fc mcnemo which is another team out of Barron. Uh, Barron's a small town of about 2,000, but they have a really strong Somalian presence there. Mm. So uh, their team is – both teams are pretty much filled up by Somalian-Americans, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so they actually have a really good rivalry. If you guys – if anyone listening to this has uh, nothing to do uh, on July 5th – 6 p.m. in Barron there's gonna be a really good rivalry game there there you so. go
0: there you <laughs> yep. go something to do to end the end the holiday weekend exactly yep yep so up you, your hangover you mentioned earlier trying to find you know find different leagues to kind of pull inspiration from and you mentioned the MASL specifically and I, I just think like that's almost like the perfect blueprint for uh like you said a legitimate competitive league but you know you're not necessarily in the pyramid so to speak but it's it's you know it's competitive it's a legitimate league that you know provides some really good competition. Uh, I just right. think MASL is like the perfect kind of blueprint for that sort of league.
3: Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. And I know uh, some of our guys who play uh, in Eau Claire on that team, they play MASL for Vlora uh, City mm-hmm. and uh, who actually just jumped up to UPSL last year. Yeah. Um, and they kind of came in and were like, okay, this is what we want to model it after. And, yeah, we like to take that kind of input, anything to make this league bigger and better. Um, and we made a lot of steps in the right direction, I think. So we're excited about it.
0: You mentioned having to drop the bottom two teams, and it seems like you know there, there is kind of a, a wide array of, of of skill levels within the teams that you already have. Uh, do you see this kind of turning into you know a multi-division league uh, at some point? Yeah, so that's something we
3: talked about. We actually uh, were in talks with uh, the UPSL this year. We thought about joining as uh, Minnesota's second division, but that ended up mm-hmm. falling through just because, you know, it doesn't make sense to us to lose our top teams and mm-hmm. then – you know, be gaining the bottom teams from that league. Um, so another thing we look into, if we have enough teams, uh, either splitting into North-South conferences mm-hmm. or doing the two divisions. Uh, so that's something we'd look into next year if we get over 12 teams. And we have interests. Uh, you know, there's Hispanic leagues in Arcadia, which is by La Crosse. Uh Wausau has a Hispanic league. Baldwin has a Hispanic league. So there's teams from there who are interested, um, as well as some teams, you know, from Rice Lake, New Richmond, Hudson, all those areas. So Yeah, we'll see where it goes, but we'd like to create a two-tier system if possible, just depend on numbers.
0: Uh, So talking about this season, like we said earlier, uh, kicked off this past weekend with a condensed format, six teams involved, correct? Yep. When did you come to the decision that you're going to try to have actual games, and how quickly did this all come together?
3: Sure, sure. So we were in talks with our governing body, which is Wisconsin Soccer Leagues, Um, for a while there. Uh, they never really said that they didn't think we were going to have a season. It was more um, just how long do we need to postpone it. Uh, it was up to each individual league to decide whether they wanted to even pursue a league. So one of the leagues, I think down over by Green Bay, just said, you know, we're not going to do it. But uh, we had our managers were cautious but optimistic about it. Um, you know, everyone wants to stay, stay safe. Uh, we have guidelines we have to follow and a lot of hoops we had to hurdle. Um but as it started getting more into April and May, I think we thought it could happen, uh, especially getting over that peak and then seeing, you know, the we had to really pay attention to the number of uh, positive cases per, mm-hmm. you know, um, test done. That was a big thing we had to pay attention to. And then when Wisconsin opened up, that gave us, you know, a big go as long as we got um, clearance from the county. So I guess it was more when the state opened up that we really knew we were going to have a chance to have a full season. Um, There was some disagreement as to what the format should be with um, Ashton and Duluth not able to play uh, only having six teams. You know, do you do just five games? Do you do 10 games? Do you do playoffs? Uh, So there were a lot of decisions to make. Uh, I like to, uh, I like to keep it pretty democratic, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, do votes and stuff like that. Um, But if I feel that something is for the best, then um, you know, we, we tend to do that, but I like to see, you know what? What do people want? You know, exactly. <laughs> how are we going to make this work? So, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it,
0: it it sounds like based off based off your answer, you know, the the season was never really, at least in your eyes, you know, in jeopardy of of being canceled. Were there any serious conversations about going ahead and you know punting to twenty twenty one, and and how close were you guys to to maybe calling it this year?
3: Yeah, so we did have serious conversations about it. Um, you know, if the cases wouldn't have dropped. Uh, I think the deadline we put was June first because to get prepared for the season, um, you know, we need to get fields and all that kind of stuff set up. So if things wouldn't have started opening up by June first, uh, we probably would have, um, you know, delayed the season. Either had you know two small tournaments at the end of the year um, just to get guys playing uh, mm-hmm. or do something, but we wouldn't have had a league format. So we were we were you know probably a month and a half away. Um, but we're also a smaller league so we have the flexibility to do what's feasible for us which is really nice mm-hmm. um but yeah it was unfortunate because we did lose Duluth and Ashland Ashland ended up um not expecting to have a season so they ended up not having the numbers um some of their guys uh were out traveling didn't plan for the season stuff like that uh, and then Duluth you know had trouble um, securing fields. They're in Minnesota, so they have some different guidelines. So yep, that was definitely. the difficulty
2: there.
0: Yep. As as far as the season format, I know it's six teams. You know, how many games are these teams looking at? Is there a playoff system in place? You know, how far into the late summer, early fall are we going here?
3: Sure. So um, a lot of the teams depend on college players. Uh, so we wanted to keep the season in August. We had hope for August uh, that weekend of the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. But uh, we we're going all the way to the 23rd, I believe. And uh, it's going to be a 10-game format. No playoffs. We had a really big split there. Half the teams want to playoffs, half didn't. Um, I decided not to do the playoffs because I didn't want uh, large gatherings like that, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which we ended up having this weekend anyways with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Barron's field uh, not panning out. But um, actually, the teams are doing really well following the guidelines and keeping everyone safe you know we had a team who had some guys traveled to lacrosse with that big outbreak and they kept their guys home mm-hmm. and stuff like that so that's that's really good to see that initiative from our clubs definitely because you know you always worry about you know what if something happens and you know you're kind of the example but um yeah. you know i just trust our managers to do a good job of you know keeping the team under wraps uh, and everyone being honest and um you know the crowds have done a really good job uh in Hayward, we had decent crowds, and uh, they did a really good job of keeping their distance. There were no problems with that, so that was really good to see.
0: Yeah, and I think just everyone being smart now in the early going will just you know even more so help the season you know see its full full potential and get to the finish line, right? Exactly. Yep. And I think the teams understand that
3: um, you know if something does happen in the beginning of the season, that might not be there's the rest of the season, so they really need to take it seriously. And I really tried to, you know, punch that in is that, you know, this is a serious thing, Um, you know, which it obviously is, you know, (laughs) the the world's a little crazy right now. Um, But to have that little bit of solidarity and and having that normalcy of having a season, I think is good for the guys. You know, I know for my team, I sent out a message that said, Hey, you know, are we wanting to play this year? And I had a resounding response that everyone wanted to play and Mm. uh, the other teams had that same response. So, yeah, that made us really excited to get on the field. And um, this first weekend went really well. So, Awesome. And then back on the field this Sunday, right, the 5th? Uh, yeah, we actually only have two teams playing um, on the 5th. Uh, just that Barron game, we wanted to give the teams out for the 4th. But Barron, due to the pandemic, they're having to work on Saturdays. So um, we actually have two Saturday games this year. So they took one of those Saturday games and moved it to a Sunday. Um, but the rest of the teams will be playing uh, July 12th. So um, some good matchups there. I know Hayward plays Mid Nemo. Uh, I believe Lobos plays Saint Croix and Baron O'Claire. Baron O'Clair is always a very good game. That's a big rivalry there. So um, yeah, we've we've got a good season ahead of us. Um, yeah. Just keep everyone safe. And um, the, actually, the amount of talent has come up. I know Lobos has some guys uh, with NPSL season being um, canceled. They brought in some NPSL guys this year. So that's always tough to play against. Um, and, you know, Eau Claire's brought in some more college guys. They had an older roster last year. They really youthened it this year. Um, so we're excited to see the level of play go up. That's yeah. that's really good to see from, a, you know, smaller towns in northwest Wisconsin. And, then, you know, we have kind of a split. Barron and Hayward are very small. Uh, St. Croix Falls is very small. They're all under 5,000 people. And then you have Wausau and Eau Claire, which are just, you know, really big cities compared to the smaller ones. And it's cool to see that dynamic between the bigger and smaller towns. and um seeing how they matched up against each other
0: yeah I have to imagine that in some way this is almost I not want to say it's been a positive for your league but one upside is you guys are, are are probably pretty attractive to those NPSL UPSL players who who aren't getting to play in those leagues this year you know they can they can hop over and, and play for you guys yeah
3: exactly we actually um on our Hayward team, we have a guy who's actually traveling every uh, Wednesday and Sunday from Marquette, Michigan, to come play with us, wow. which is a four-hour wow. drive. So, um, yeah, there's guys who are coming down to play. Um, and, you know, the level of play was already uh, going to get better from last year, but it's mm-hmm. even gotten better due to this pandemic. But, yeah, yeah, we're excited to see how it goes. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, so, so, moving on here, in honor of uh, the Lower League E Cup announcing their Battle of the Kits tournament – I'm going to put you on the spot here. Now, I know you're you uh, you know you're, you're associated with the Hayward team, so you yep. might be a little bit biased. But I yep. wanted to put you on the spot and ask you, who has the best kit in the WPASL? Okay. Well,
3: um, I help the teams design the kits, so I like to say all of them. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'd say I like our Hayward ones the most. Um, mm-hmm. Eau Claire's got a nice black kit this year. Um, Bay. Aaron actually they have a new checkered kit uh if you guys look on if anyone wants to look on our Facebook page we try to share as much stuff as possible Mm -hmm. um Mid Nemo they brought in a really cool color scheme it's they got light blue and dark blue um which is really nice I know they wanted to get that light blue in from the Somalian flag um yeah Lobos they're doing navy and uh red this year but yeah i think hayward has the best kits we took some inspiration from dortmund for one of them and then the other one we wanted to replicate the crest uh with the shoulders you know it's okay. a black on one side yellow on the other side yeah. um but you know i might be a little bit biased um but i know all the other teams in the league like that yellow kit um quite a bit so we try to stick with yellow as our primary um yeah. usually so yeah yeah i don't know what's your thoughts which one's your favorite
0: you know, I've only seen I've only seen the Hayward one. Uh, from what you commented on the lower league cups tweet, there. Uh, yep. that looked, I mean, something about the yellow and black on a on a soccer kit. I don't know what it is, but that color scheme just works with with. Yeah, it's kit. sharp. I'm Not sure what it is. And last question here for you, Caden. So, uh, if someone wants to support the league or just get in for more information on the teams, game schedule, et cetera, you know, where do they go?
3: Sure. So uh, we actually updated our website this year. Um, it's WPASLsoccer.com. Uh, we have standings, rosters, uh, schedules, all that information on there. Um, so that's really nice. It's its actually a pretty decent looking website. Um, took a little bit to learn how to set that up. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely an update from our one last year, uh, the league lineups one. And then, uh, you know, we have Facebook. We have Twitter, um, which are both really good. And then – um, some of the teams have their own websites, and know Hayward does. Eau Claire's setting one up, I believe. Um, if Duluth would have stuck in this year, they would have had one. so we're we're pushing the teams to start getting out on social media. Yeah, definitely. um yeah. only half the teams have Twitter, um, and then the other half have Facebook pretty much. So, um, but yeah, so if you just want to do that, and also, um, I know the teams are set up a little differently. So I know Claire's an LLC. Hayward's a nonprofit uh, with a youth club under them. so, going out and to their games and helping them you know run their clubs that's really big for them some run concessions so that's important too. getting out and supporting I know Hayward had their highest uh, attendance this year I think it was 67 which is pretty good but Eau Claire gets good numbers too so just getting out to the fields is really important I know it's a drive for a lot of people but yeah that's I think that's the best way to support grassroots soccer is to you know show up and cheer cheer on your favorite team yep
0: be that community for sure well uh, exactly it's, it's so great to see that soccer's back on the field and on the field safely and securely uh with the WPASL back underway and like you said uh pretty much games every weekend up until the 23rd of August right
3: yep yep that's right yep and uh some of them are Saturdays as well but usually they're um Sundays so
0: Caden Bregman, president of the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League. Thank you so much for the time tonight. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck as the season moves forward. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate the time.